I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. Yes, and on this episode, the second part of our Animation April series, we will be talking about Blue Sky Studios. Which is owned by Fox as well as now part of Disney, best known for movies like Ice Age and Rio. Yeah, we'll be getting into all that fun, interesting stuff about the studio. But before we get started, I just want to ask, how are you doing, Ezra? Great, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well as myself. You know, I'm starting to get into the uh, self-quarantine routine. Been watching a lot of movies and shows and reading a lot of books and trying to establish a little bit of a sense of normalcy. What have you been up to over there? Spending time with my family. And I've been doing calls with my relatives and things like that, doing Zoom calls during this virus. I've been reading a lot of good books to kids and doing wonderful videos of me reading, doing a lot of really good ones. And I also did a little video turning my animation Haggadah for Passover into a video, which I created five years ago. Soon it'll be on YouTube, the one for the animation Haggadah. The videos of them are also on my Ezra Reads website. And I'm going to have a good Passover, and I hope at the same time you have a good Easter. (laughs) Thank you, Ezra. Yeah, it's this will be definitely an interesting Passover. My roommates, who are both Jewish, they will be celebrating Passover with their families over video chat. So I hope you have a great Passover as well. And to all of our listeners, I hope everyone has a wonderful and safe and healthy Passover and Easter. Let's start with answering last week's trivia question which was who was originally supposed to play donkey and shrek was steve martin before it was going to be eddie murphy spielberg wanted his good friend steve martin to do donkey but for some reason instead it was eddie murphy in the case of chris farley we talked about that before he unfortunately passed away before he finished recording his lines in this case it just sounds like Who knows, maybe there's some kind of scheduling conflict that prevented Steve Martin from playing the role. But it's so, it's hard to imagine the character of Donkey being played by anybody but Eddie Murphy. I know. (laughs) For instance, like, he sings I'm All Alone in the first movie, or in the first film he says, I like that boulder, that is a nice boulder. (laughs) Yeah, he, he definitely has a lot of personality. My favorite moment, I think, is is when for a brief moment he's able to fly and he says, I'm a talking flying donkey. Mm. <laughs> it was an amusing moment. So he really made that role his own and, and the rest is history. All right. So stick around until the end of this episode for our latest trivia question. And word of the day. Right. You beat me to it as we have a word of the day for you. It's time for word of the day, new words you can say, new words for your rhymes and for your wordplay. By the time you leave this video, you'll be smarter than you was before. It's time for word of the day, new words. The word is CGI, computer, which stands for computer generated imagery. Okay, yeah, so that's a word that I'm sure a lot of people have heard and never really realized what it actually stood for. So, what exactly does that mean, though? It's made digitally on computers, like three-dimensionally. Right, so a lot of special effects, especially nowadays, if you watch any of the big Marvel movies or Disney movies, will most likely have a lot of CGI in it. And CGI really in the past 20, 30 years has improved a lot. I guess one example would be in 
Jurassic Park, that's that was one of the first films that was really heralded for its CGI. But only, I think, 11 minutes of the film actually included CGI. The rest was either practical effects or it just didn't have dinosaurs in the scene. You would be hard-pressed to find movies where the majority of scenes didn't have some kind of CGI in them, especially the bigger blockbuster films. I know, like, digital age technology has evolved and these things are all digital now. To the point that you can get, like, this always makes me laugh. The remake of The Lion King was actually nominated as a best animated film, even though it was supposed to look photorealistic because it was all filmed generated with CGI. It was technically considered an animated film. Yeah. So that always makes me laugh. Yeah, and so the reason that CGI is the word of the day is that we'll be talking about that a lot in regards to Blue Sky Studios. So why don't we get started on our feature presentation? When was Blue Sky Studios founded, Ezra? Originally on February 22nd of 1987, a year after Pixar was founded. And it was specifically founded by a group of people who had worked together for a while. Chris Wedge, Michael Ferraro, Carl Ludwig, Allison Brown, David Brown, and Eugene Traubetsky. Traubetskoy? I'm sorry, I'm totally bungling that name. But all those people, they, they had worked together after their employer folded. They went off and started this studio of their own. They did computer animated commercials in the earlier years, similar to how Pixar did commercials in their early years. They also had association with other movies with effects with other films like Star Trek Insurrection, Bite Club, and the 2000 animated film called Titan AE. And 1998, the first movie they solely produced was called Bunny, which won an Academy Award for Best Animated Short. Really similar trajectory to Pixar, where they started on commercials first, and then they started making shorts. And as you said, Bunny was the first, and it won an Academy Award. And that's really what kind of catapulted the studio forward, because it established, oh, actually, we can do these kind of things. We can produce really quality animated work. So after that, they tried their hand at making a animated feature film. I know Blue Sky, the studio, was part of 20th Century Fox. Their first feature movie, which was released in 2002, was called Ice Age. I actually find the background of how it was created pretty interesting because at the time that Blue Sky Studios was working on Ice Age, basically 20th Century Fox was struggling at the time and they were trying to get rid of different assets in the company. Blue Sky Studios originally was going to be one of those parts that was sold off. And the team at Blue Sky was was able to convince the management to, no, keep us on, keep us on. And even after they were able to do that, it still was a little testy because 20th Century Fox was convinced that Ice Age was going to bomb. Turns out they were completely wrong because when Ice Age was released finally in 2002, it was both critically and commercially 
extremely successful. I know. Ice Age, though, when it was in early development in 1997, it was going to be a hand-drawn, traditionally 2D animated film by Fox Animation before that shut down in 2000 following the poor box office performance of Titan AE. So then it went to the newly formed Blue Sky Studios. Yeah, so they took this story on and they really made it take off. Ice Age, their first movie was a buddy comedy. The stars were Scrat the Squirrel, who we all know constantly chases an acorn. (laughs) He's my favorite. Yeah, and then Manny, who's a woolly mammoth. And then Diego, the saber-tooth, who at first is kind of mean, but then we see he has a heart. And then Sid, the dim-witted but lovable sloth. As similar to how Shrek first meets Donkey, Shrek didn't really like Donkey at first, but then they become good friends. When Manny first meets Sid, Manny doesn't want to sit around at first. But, but then when they meet Diego, they all become good friends. It's not a new story. It definitely fits the mold of other buddy comedies. But I think it what it showed, it really established that Blue Sky Studios, even though it was a lot smaller, didn't really have much name recognition, certainly didn't have the name recognition of Pixar or even DreamWorks. But it showed with Ice Age that it could compete with those those big name studios. So after Ice Age, what did they work on next? Three years later was Robots, their second film, which was a buddy comedy film set entirely in a metallic world where everybody's a robot. Yes, and it was a really funny and clever comedy film. It had like, it was a bit like Pixar movies like Monsters, Inc. or Cars because it had creatures or objects in a world being like people. It was about a young inventor, a robot named Rodney Copperbottom, who goes to a big city called Robot City to find his idol, Big Weld, who apparently is missing. And then he teams up with some misfit robots called the Rusties to team up together and find Big Weld and fix falling apart robots and stop an evil, greedy businessman named Ratchet from getting rid of all of the spare parts. I mean, I remember seeing it and I thought it was a lot of fun. But, and I guess before we go further, it's worth noting that in terms of their films, that Blue Sky Studios is nowhere near as prolific as Pixar or DreamWorks. Blue Sky Studios has only done 13 films. And of those 13 films, five of them are actually Ice Age films. So they've really figured out a formula that works for them. Because right after Robots came their first Ice Age sequel... Ice Age The Meltdown was released in the spring of 2006. It received a mixed response from critics, unlike the first, but was still financially successful at the box office. Yeah, it did a lot better, actually, than the first one. The first one was about the Ice Age when it was cold. The sequel was about ice melting and about global warming. And Manny meets a girl mammoth named Ellie with two mischievous possum brothers named Crash and Eddie. And Ellie had no idea she was a mammoth. She thought she was a possum because she grew up with Crash and Eddie and was raised to be like a possum. That's why she didn't have any idea she was actually a mammoth. And Manny and Ellie, Manny thinks that he's the last mammoth on Earth until he finds Ellie. How did you like the film? Do you think it held up with the first one? My personal opinion, better and just as good, but different. It was funny, I know. I remember Will Arnett voiced one of the villains in the movie, the lone gunslinger vulture who coincidentally voiced 
culture in their next film. Yeah, Horton Hears a Who, which is one of their more critically acclaimed films. You know, we've talked about that movie a couple of episodes ago, so we won't rehash too much. It was the first fully computer animated Dr. Seuss adaptation, and this was a really fun adaptation of the classic book. Yeah. Later, their next film was Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, the third film of the Ice Age series. Also their first film in 3D. Also more mixed reviews about it, just like the previous sequel. But again, it was super successful at the box office. Like it had dinosaurs in it and Ellie was pregnant, was going to have a baby. And the other side plot is that Sid gets into trouble when he finds three dinosaur eggs and he thought they were abandoned and he gets kidnapped by a mama T-Rex. And then his friends go to the dinosaur world to rescue him and led by a funny and helpful weasel, one-eyed weasel named Buck. I will say the Ice Age films play a little fast and loose with world history. You know, you go from the Ice Age to the end of the Ice Age to dinosaurs, and it's all supposed to be in chronological order. But, eh, well, you know. Now let's go to Rio. This is their, their second franchise film, and it was about a Spix's macaw named Blue who goes to Rio de Janeiro, who finds girl of his kind named Jewel, who's, which they are believed to be the last two living on Earth. And then they go on an adventure where they meet a wise and helpful toucan named Raphael, a samba-loving duo named Nico and Pedro, and a helpful and funny bulldog named Luis. And they also face against an, some smugglers who own a scary and mean and menacing cockatoo named Nigel. I liked those funny monkeys, I remember, who worked for Nigel. I thought they were kind of similar to the Wickershims another, from Horton, another Blue Sky film. I also thought Nico and Pedro, or the Samba-loving duo, in many ways, were very much like Timon and Pumbaa from The Lion King. I liked them, and I know that Carlos Soldana, the director of Rio, first came up with the idea it was going to be about a penguin being washed up on a beach in Avipanema, but those ideas later came up to be films like Happy Feet and Surf's Up which involved penguins. Instead of being about penguins, he decided to make it be about a parrot or other kinds of colorful birds found in Brazil. And is he's from Brazil, I want to say? Yes. It was critically and commercially successful. What would you say are some unique traits of Blue Sky Studios films thus far, of these films that we've talked about? And they're all colorful, creative, unique, good storytelling, emotion, humor they all have all that stuff similar to how many disney and pixar movies have that different but similar yeah i would say that they really love their ensemble casts you know which isn't necessarily unique to them but i think they really play up to that kind of ensemble feel whereas in pixar films it might be sort of a back and forth between there's like one main character that you're supposed to focus on and then other times it's an ensemble type story that they're telling i think blue sky studios really at least in its early going plays up that ensemble feel that you are following a bunch of different characters in a bunch of different scenarios Blue Sky's next film was their fourth Ice Age movie called Ice Age Continental Drift. And it was released in the summer of 2012. And it, it was about continental drift when the continents were breaking and falling apart. And then Sid, Manny, and Diego encounter a gang of some ruthless pirates. The captain was a prehistoric ape named Captain Gut, voiced by Peter Dinklage. 
their next film was released in 2013 and it was called Epic. Epic was based loosely based on a children's book called The Leafmen and the Brave Good Bugs by William Joyce. It was, I would consider by far the studio's darkest film they've made. Oh, and why is that? It had some dark themes to it. And I thought it was very similar to DreamWorks film, which I thought was one of their darkest released in November months earlier at the time called Rise of the Guardians, which was also based on works by William Joyce. And I thought was a little dark as well, I'm saying. Much like how I thought Rise of the Guardians was one of DreamWorks' darker films. I thought Epic was Blue Sky's darkest film. And I have a family friend who we've known for a long time named Danny Shear, who was the writer of the movie. You know the the writer of Epic? Yeah, one of the writers, one of the screenwriters, Daniel Shear. He's a family friend, and me and my family all know him very well. Oh, well, we'll see if we can bring him on to the podcast sometime. It'd be great to talk to him about making that movie. Kind of like The Wizard of Oz in a way. It's about a teenage girl who ends up in a magical land. I liked it. It was fun. It was action-packed and interesting. Their next film was their sequel to their hit 2011 film, and that one was called Rio 2. Yeah, in a similar trajectory as its other franchise, the second one wasn't as well-received. Blue and Jewel now have some children named Carla, Bia, and Tiago, and they go on a journey to the Amazon to find other blue macaws, their family, who have been discovered, and Nigel, who is plotting on getting his revenge, I'm saying, and he teams up with a poison dart frog named Gabby, who falls in love with him, and a silent anteater named Charlie, who wears a bowler hat and bow tie, and is most likely a reference to Charlie Chaplin. Nice. All right. And following Rio 2 was the Peanuts movie, which is by far its most successful film in terms of critical acclaim. Uh, it was very well received. It did change up the style, so... It was all CGI for the movie. It did borrow from the style of the original comics, but it was done much differently than the classic Peanuts films from before, the like Christmas special and, and the Halloween special, where it was all hand-drawn. This one was the first Peanuts movie, I believe, that was all computer-generated. The production of it started as early as 2006, six years after Charles Schultz, the original creator, passed away. Yeah, and can you tell us about what happened in this movie? Charlie Brown, America's lovable loser who never gives up, tries to succeed in getting a little red-haired girl's attention, like from the earlier cartoons we remember. And Snoopy daydreams of flying ace and going against his sworn enemy, the Red Baron. I know, and also with the help of his friends, Charlie Brown works hard to succeed and not fail. And does he manage to to succeed? He well, at first we think he doesn't, but at the very end we he miraculously does happily. It was really cool and unique and really thrilling to see the Peanuts cartoon like never before. Yeah, and I think actually it has a very nice message at the end because Charlie Brown tries to spend all his time impressing this girl and and he keeps messing up or failing or whatever and even though he fails in some sense 
it actually, the little red-haired girl at the end, she explains that what she admired about Charlie Brown is the fact that he is selfless and the fact that he is so determined and honest and caring that he's just, you know, you're a good person, Charlie Brown. You know, it's a, it's a very nice lesson at the end that kind of like this idea of success shouldn't be the primary thing. It's It's second to these more valued traits of being compassionate and being selfless and i think charlie brown really represents those qualities well i know i liked that it was styled like the classic cartoon i grew up with when i was a little kid yeah definitely if you liked the original cartoons that the original comics then you'll definitely like this movie there's no doubt about that okay and so after the peanuts movie which was their most critically acclaimed film they made the fifth and so far final Ice Age film, Ice Age Collision Course, which unfortunately was their most critically panned film they've made. So it's a it's funny how that worked out. And it also underperformed at the box office. It was kind of a flop. It was about a meteor shower and Scrat was in a spaceship, I remember. And Sid had a crush on a sloth named Brooke. Shira, Diego's love interest, from the last one was in it. And so was Manny and Ellie's teenage daughter, Peaches, who had a crush on someone just like she did in the previous film. And Buck, the weasel from the third movie, returned and was again being a helpful leader who was kind of smart and funny, yet really talkative at the same time. And it got really bad reviews from critics. I mean, a lot of critics didn't like it, but I loved it and I thought it was really cool, especially that it was science fiction. I think this was a case that for some people, it was just oversaturation. Like there had already been four Ice Age films and they didn't necessarily want to see a fifth one. Obviously, that's not true for everybody. I know. And which was released over a year later for Christmas of, of 2017 was Ferdinand. Their next two films, Ferdinand and Spies in Disguise, were both released around Christmas time. And they... Both were well-received, but they didn't do too hot at the box office. Like, The the Last Giant Rise of Skywalker were released at the time, respectively. Ferdinand was based on a classic children's book called The Story of Ferdinand by Munro Leaf and illustrated by Robert Lawson. And this film, I know, was about a bull who isn't interested in fighting like other bulls. He's more of a gentle giant who's peace-loving compared to others. The original book was a very simple little short story about a bull, but the movie had to have a lot more than just what the book had. Yeah, very fitting with our previous discussion a few episodes ago about adapting children's books. Same deal here. Okay, and then finally, last but not least, Spies in Disguise, most recent film, released this past Christmas, and... It was loosely based on... A 2009 animated short film called Pigeon Impossible by Lucas Martell. And it was Blue Sky's first to be distributed by Disney since Fox has been acquired by Disney and renamed as 20th Century Studios. And it was about a world-famous spy, a secret agent named Lance Sterling, who gets accidentally turned into a pigeon by a young genius and inventor named Walter Beckett, who I thought was a bit like Hiro Hamada from Big Hero 6. First, Lance doesn't like Walter because he doesn't like his ideas. He thinks they're ridiculous. And and then he sees how it's important it is to have friends. And Lance 
his arch enemy was Killian, although his never name was never referred to in the film as arch enemy with the robo hand who was who wanted to take over the world. It was pretty well received. It didn't do so well at the box office. What did but what did you think about it as? It was really cool and really high tech, I know, and fun and interesting and funny. Like, I love the part when Lance got accidentally turned into a pigeon and Walter says to Lance, Lance, look at me. And Lance says to look at you. I can't not look at you, Walter. I can see my butt and your face at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. Yeah, because pigeons have their eyes on the side of their head. That's a good joke. Yeah, so those are the films of Blue Sky Studios. It's one of those smaller studios that... You know, it's taking on Disney. It's taking on Pixar and DreamWorks. And, well, now it's owned by Disney, but it used to be a rival. And it's just one of those underdog studios that really punched above its weight. I know. It was good. Okay, so I think that will be it for our feature presentation. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you tuning in for another episode in our Animation April series. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. You'll get access to exclusive content. And yeah, so and any support you can give helps out a lot. Before we let you go, though, we have a trivia question to give you. All right, Ezra, what is this week's trivia question? What is the name of the head of Illumination who executive produced Blue Sky's first four movies? Okay. Well, there you go. So if you know the answer to that, let us know. You can either give us a shout on Facebook, on our Facebook page, or send us an email at Animation and Beyond. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! See you later.